Chapter Three, Part One of Two of the Guns of Bull Run, a story of the Civil War's Eve. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sarah Parshall. The Guns of Bull Run, a story of the Civil War's Eve by joseph a altscheller chapter three the heart of rebellion part one of two harry with his friend colonel leonidas talbot approached charleston on christmas morning it was a most momentous day to him as he came nearer the place looked greater and greater he had read about it in the books in his father's house old tales of the revolution and stories of its famous families and now its name was in the mouths of all men he had felt a change in his own kentucky atmosphere at nashville but it had become complete when he drew near to charleston it was a different world different alike in appearance and in thought the contrast made the thrill all keener and longer Colonel Talbot also was swayed by emotion, but his was that of one who was coming home. I was born here, and I passed my boyhood here, he said. I could not keep from loving it if I would, and I would not if I could. Look how the cold north melts away. See the great magnolias, the live oaks, and the masses of shrubbery. Harry, I promise you that you shall have a good time in this Charleston of ours. They had left the railroad some distance back and had come in by stage. The day was warm and pleasant. Two odors, one of flowers and foliage and the other of the sea salt, reached Harry. He found both good he felt for the thousandth time of his pocket-book and papers to see that they were safe and he was glad that he had come glad that he had been chosen for such an important errand the colonel asked the driver to stop the stage at a crossroad and he pointed out to harry a low white house with green blinds standing on a knoll among magnificent live oaks that is my house harry he said and this is christmas day come and spend it with me there harry felt to the full the kindness of colonel leonidas talbot for whom he had formed a strong affection the colonel seemed to him so simple so honest and in a way so unworldly that he had won his heart almost at once but he felt that he should decline as his message must be delivered as soon as he arrived in charleston i suppose you are right said the colonel when the boy had explained why he could not accept you take your letters to the gentlemen who are going to make the war and then you and i and others like us ranging from your age to mine will have to fight it but henry was not to be discouraged he could not see things in a gray light on that brilliant christmas morning 
here was charleston before him and in a few hours he would be in the thick of great events a thrill of keen anticipation ran through all his veins the colonel and he stood by the roadside while the obliging driver waited he offered his hand saying good-bye it's only for a day said colonel leonidas talbot as he gave the hand a strong clasp i shall be in charleston tomorrow, and i shall certainly see you harry sprang back to his place and the stage rolled joyously into charleston harry saw at once that the city was even more crowded than nashville had been its population had increased greatly in a few weeks and he could feel the quiver of excitement in the air citizen soldiers were drilling in open places and other men were throwing up earthworks he left the stage and carried over his arm his baggage which still consisted only of a pair of saddlebags he walked to an old-fashioned hotel which colonel talbot had selected for him as quiet and good and as he went he looked at everything with a keen and eager interest the deep mellow chiming of bells from one point and then another came to his ears he knew that they were the bells of st philip's and st michael's and he looked up in admiration at their lofty spires he had often heard in far kentucky of these famous churches and their silver chimes it seemed to harry that the tension and excitement of the people in the streets were of a rather pleasant kind they had done a great deed and keyed to a high pitch by their orators and newspapers they did not fear the consequences the crowd seemed foreign to him in many aspects gaelic rather than american but very likable he reached his hotel a brick building behind a high iron fence kept by a woman of olive complexion middle years and pleasant manners madame josephine delaunay she looked at him at first with a little doubt because it was a time in charleston when one must inspect strangers but when he mentioned colonel leonidas talbot she broke into a series of smiles ah the good colonel she exclaimed we were children at school together but since he became a soldier he has gone far from here and has he returned to fight for his great mother south carolina he has come back he has resigned from the army and he is here to do south carolina's bidding it is like him said madame delaunay ah that leonidas he has a great soul i travelled with him from nashville to charleston said harry and i learned to like and admire him he had established himself at once in the good graces of madame delaunay and she gave him a fine room overlooking a garden which in season was filled with roses and oranges even now pleasant aromatic odors came to him through the open window he had been scarcely an hour in charleston but he liked it already the old city breathed with an ease and grace to which he was unused the best name he knew for it was fragrance 
he had a suit of fresh clothing in his saddle-bags and he arrayed himself with the utmost neatness and care he felt that he must do so he could not present himself in rough guise to a people who had every night to be fastidious he would obtain further clothing out of the abundant store of money as his father had wished him to make a good appearance and associate with the best he descended and found madame delaunay in the garden where she gave him welcome with grave courtesy she seemed to him in manner and bearing a woman of wealth and position and not the keeper of an inn doing most of the work with her own hands he learned later that the two could go together in charleston and he learned also that she was the granddaughter of a great haitian sugar planter leaving everything to the followers of toussaint louverture glad to reach the shores of south carolina in safety madame delaunay looked with admiration at the young kentuckian so tall and powerful for his age to her kentucky was a part of the cold north can you tell me where i am likely to find senator yancey asked harry i have letters which i must deliver to him and i have heard that he is in charleston there is to be a meeting of the leaders this afternoon in st anthony's hall in broad street you will surely find him there but you must have your luncheon first i think you must have traveled far from kentucky replied harry and then he added impulsively i've come to join your people madame delaunay south carolina has many and powerful friends in the upper south she will need them said madame delaunay but with no tone of apprehension this however is a city that has withstood much fire and blood and it can withstand much more now i'll leave you here in the garden come to luncheon at one and you shall meet my other guests harry sat down on a little wooden bench beneath a magnolia here in the garden the odor of grass and foliage was keen and thrillingly sweet this was the south the real south and its warm passions leaped up in his blood much of the talk that he had been hearing recently from those older than he passed through his mind the southern states did have a right to go if they chose and they were being attacked because their prominence aroused jealousy slavery was a side issue a mere pretext if it were not convenient to hand some other excuse would be used here in charleston among people who were charming in manner and kind the feeling was very strong upon him he left the house after luncheon and following madame delaunay's instructions came very quickly to st andrew's hall in broad street where five days before the legislator of south carolina after adjourning from columbia had passed the ordinance of succession two soldiers in the palmetto uniform were on guard but they quickly let him pass when he showed his letters to senator yancey 
inside a young man a boy in fact not more than a year older than himself met him he was slender dark and tall dressed precisely and his manner had that easy grace which as harry had noticed already seemed to be the characteristic of charleston my name is arthur st clair he said and i'm sort of an improvised secretary for our leaders who are in council here mine said harry is henry kenton i'm a son of colonel george kenton of kentucky late a colonel in the united states army and i've come with important messages from him senator culver and other southern leaders in kentucky then you will be truly welcome wait a moment and i'll see if they are ready to receive you he returned almost instantly and asked harry to go in with him they entered a large room with a dais at the center of the far wall and a number of heavy gilt chairs covered with velvet ranged on either side of it over the dais hung a large portrait of queen victoria as a girl in her coronation robes a scotch society had occupied this room but the people of charleston had always taken part in their festivities in those very velvet chairs the chaperones had sat while the dancing had gone on in the hall then the leaders of succession had occupied them when they put through their measure and now they were sitting there again deliberating a man of middle years and of quick eager countenance arose when young st clair came in with harry mr yancey said st clair this is henry kenton the son of colonel george kenton who has come from kentucky with important letters yancey gave him his hand and a welcome and harry looked with intense interest at the famous alabama orator who with slidell of south carolina and toombs of georgia had matched the new england leaders in vehemence and denunciation mr slidell an older man was present and so was mr jameson of barnwell who had presided when succession was carried there were more present some prominent others destined to become so and harry was introduced to them one by one he gave his letters to yancey and retired with young st clair to the other end of the room while the leaders read what had been written from kentucky harry was learning to become a good observer and he watched them closely as they read he saw a look of pleasure come on the face of every one and presently yancey beckoned to him these are fine assurances said the orator and they have been brought by the worthy son of a worthy father colonel kenton senator culver and others have no doubt that kentucky will go out with us now you are a boy but boys sometimes see and hear more than men and you are old enough to think that is to think in the real sense tell us what is your opinion harry flushed and paused in embarrassment 
Go on, said Mr. Yancey, persuasively. I do not know much, said Harry, slowly, wishing not to speak, but feeling that he was compelled by Mr. Yancey to do so. But, far as I have seen, Kentucky is sorely divided. The people on the other side are perhaps not as strong and influential as ours, but they are more numerous. A shade passed over the face of Yancey, but he quickly recovered his good humor. You have done right to tell us the truth as you see it, he said, but we need Kentucky badly. We must have the state and we will get it. Did you hear anything before you left? of one Raymond Bertrand, a South Carolinian? He was at my father's house before I came away. I think it was his intention to go from there to Frankfurt with some of our own people and insist in taking out the state. Yancey smiled. Faithful to his errand, he said. Raymond Bertrand is a good lad. He has visions, perhaps, but they are great ones and he foresees a mighty republic for us extending far south of our present border. But now that you have accomplished your task, what do you mean to do, Mr. Kenton? I want to stay here, replied Harry eagerly. This is the head and center of all things. I think my father would wish me to do so. I'll enlist with the South Carolina troops and wait for what happens. Even if what happens should be war? Most of all of it should be war. Then I shall be one of those who will be needed most. A right and proper spirit, said Mr. Jameson, of Barnwell. When we can command such enthusiasm, we are unconquerable. Now, we'll not keep you longer, Mr. Kenton. This is Christmas Day, and one as young as you are is entitled to a share of the hilarity. Look after him, St. Clair. Harry went out with young St. Clair, whom he was now calling by his first name, Arthur. He, too, was staying with Madame Delaunay, who was a distant relative. Harry ate Christmas dinner that evening with twenty people, many of types new to him. It made a deep impression upon him then, and one yet greater afterward because he beheld the spirit of the Old South in its inmost shrine, Charleston. It seemed to him in later days that he had looked upon it as it passed. They sat in a great dining room upon a floor level with the ground. The magnolias and live oaks and the shrubs in the garden moved in the gentle wind. Fresh, crisp air came through the windows, opened partly, and brought with it, as Harry thought, an aroma of flowers blooming in the farther south. He sat with young St. Clair. The two were already old friends, and Madame Delaunay was at the head of the table, looking more like a great lady who was entertaining her friends than the keeper of an inn. Madame Delaunay wore a flowing white dress that draped itself in folds, and a lace scarf was thrown about her shoulders. Her heavy hair, intensely black, was bound with a gold fillet after a fashion that has returned a half-century later. A single diamond sparkled upon her finger. She seemed to Harry foreign, 
handsome and very distinguished about half the people in the room were of french blood most of whom harry surmised were the descendants of people who had fled from haiti or santo domingo one hector st hilaire almost sixty but a major in the militia of south carolina soon proved that the boy's surmise was right lemonade and a mild drink called claret sanger was served to the boys but the real claret was served to the major as to the other elders and the mellowness of christmas pervaded his spirit he drank a toast to madame delaunay and the others drank it with him standing madame delaunay responded prettily and in a few words she asked protection and good fortune for this south carolina which they all loved and which had been a refuge to the ancestors of so many of them as she sat down she looked up at the wall and harry's glance followed hers it was a long dining-room and he saw their great portraits in massive gilt frames they were of people french in look handsome and dressed with great care and elaboration the men were in gay coats and knee breeches silk stockings and buckled shoes small swords were at their sides the women were even more gorgeous in velvet or heavy satin with their hair drawn high upon their heads and powdered one had a beauty patch upon her cheek major st hilaire saw harry's look as it sped along the wall he smiled a little sadly and then a little cheerfully those are the ancestors of madame delaunay he said and some i may mention in passing are my own also our gracious hostess and myself are more or less distantly related less i fear but i boast of it nevertheless on every possible occasion they were great people in a great island once the richest colony of france the richest colony in all the world now all those people whom you see upon the walls were educated in paris or other cities of france and they returned to a life upon the magnificent plantations of haiti what has become of that brightness and glory gone like the snow under a summer sun tis nothing but the flower of fancy now the free black savage has made a wilderness of haiti and our enemies in the north would make the same of south carolina a murmur of applause ran around the table major st hilaire had spoken with rhetorical effect and a certain undoubted pathos every face flushed and harry saw the tears glistening in the eyes of madame delaunay who despite her fifty years looked very handsome indeed in her white dress with the glittering gold fillet about her great masses of hair the boy was stirred powerfully his sensitive spirit responded at once to the fervid atmosphere about him the glow the intensity of a south far warmer than the one he had known their passions were his passions 
and having seen the black and savage haiti of which major st hilaire had drawn such a vivid picture he shuddered lest south carolina and the other states too should fall the same way to destruction it can never happen he exclaimed carried away by impulse kentucky and virginia and the big states of the upper south will stand beside her and fight with her the murmur of applause ran around the table again and harry blushing made himself as small as he could in his chair don't regret a good impulse mr kenton said a neighbor a young man named james macdonald harry had noticed that scotch names seemed to be as numerous as french in south carolina the words that all of us believed to be true leaped from your heart harry did not speak again unless he was addressed directly but he listened closely while the others talked of the great crisis that was so obviously approaching his interest did not make him neglect the dinner as he was a strong and hearty youth there were sweets for which he did not care much many vegetables a great turkey and venison for which he did care finishing with an ice and coffee that seemed to him very black and bitter it was past eight o'clock when they rose and any lingering doubts that harry may have felt were swept away he was heart and soul with the south carolinians those people in the far north seemed very cold and hard to him they could not possibly understand one must be here among the south carolinians themselves to see and to know harry went to his room after a polite good night to all the others he was not used to long and heavy dinners and he felt the wish to rest and take the measure of his situation he threw back the green blinds and opened the window a little once more the easy wind brought him that odor of the far south whether reality or fancy he could not say but he looked toward another window and looked toward the north away from the others and away from a subtle persuasiveness that had been in the air some of his doubts returned it would not all be so easy what were they doing in the far states beyond the ohio he heard footsteps in the hall and a voice that seemed familiar he had left his door partly open and when he turned he caught a glimpse of a face that he knew it was young shepherd whom he and major talbot had met in nashville shepherd saw harry also and saluted him cheerfully i've just arrived he said and through letters from friends in st louis members of one of the old french families there i've been lucky enough to secure a room at madame delaunay's inn fortune has been with us both said harry somewhat doubtfully but not knowing what else to say it certainly has said shepherd with easy good humor i'll see you again in the morning and we'll talk of what we've been through both of us he walked briskly on and harry heard his firm step ringing on the floor the boy retired to his own room again and locked the door he had liked shepherd from the first he had seemed to him frank and open and no one could deny his right to come to charleston if he pleased and yet colonel talbot a man of delicate and sensitive mind which quickly registered true impressions had distrusted him he had even given harry a vague warning which he felt that he could not ignore he made up his mind that he would not see shepherd in the morning he would make it a point to rise so early that he could avoid him his conclusion formed 
he slept soundly until the first sunlight poured in at the window that he had left open then remembering that he intended to avoid shepherd he jumped out of bed dressed quickly and went down to breakfast which he had been told he could get as early as he pleased madame delaunay was already there looking smooth and fresh in the morning air but st clair was the only guest who was as early as harry both greeted him pleasantly and hoped that he had slept well their courtesy although harry had no doubt of its warmth was slightly more ornate and formal than that which he had been used at home he recognized here in older society one very ancient for the new world the breakfast was also different from the solid one that he always ate at home it consisted of fruits eggs bread and coffee there was no meat but he fared well nevertheless st clair he now learned was a bank clerk but after hours he was drilling steadily in one of the charleston companies if you enlist come with me he said to harry i can get you a place on the staff and that will suit you harry accepted his offer gladly although he felt that he could not take up his new duties for a few days matters of money and other things were to be arranged all right said st clair take your time i don't think there's any need to hurry end of chapter three part one of two the heart of rebellion recording by sarah Parshall.